Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. Hello again, everyone. I'm Darren Javog, and thank you for tuning in to Clean Break, the podcast. We're back at it again. Uh, Wow, it's just, what a cyclone, eh? Just keep getting on the ride. We sure do, Darren. (laughs) We sure do. So Tina, uh, Tina Murray is my co-host, and uh, Tina, why don't you tell us what's going on today? Yeah, so we have um, Darren, nope. Darren. Andre. You are Darren. I'm Darren. <laughs> <laughs> we have Andre Bolduc joining us from BDO Debt Solutions. We've had you on the show before, but it has been a long time. Welcome. It has been a long time. Thanks for having me. Feels like it's been even longer since I've seen you in person. <laughs> in person, for <laughs> sure. True. Yeah. Yeah. It has. I feel like I see Andre all the time, actually, because I hear you on the radio. Like I, I hear there's like a radio spot that you guys have, I believe. So that I've heard. Yeah, I get that. I've, I've actually had a lot of former staff call me and say, oh my God, I heard you in my car or in my house or, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I say, I hope it wasn't too traumatic and it's, it's all good. So. <laughs> well, you got a good radio voice. So this is, this is, it's a good thing you're on the show today. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. So you do bankruptcies. Your, your organization helps people through bankruptcies, consumer proposals, credit counseling. Is that correct? That's correct. It's mostly consumer proposals these days. Um, I, I would say 70% of people we help is consumer proposals, 30% bankruptcy. Okay. Um, I'm a licensed insolvency trustee um, you know, with BDO, as you mentioned. Um, and BDO has been around since 1958, 60 years. Uh, we're one of the first and largest debt solution firms in Canada. Uh, I haven't been around for 60 years, just about 25 <laughs> that I've been doing this. And, uh, you know, I've personally helped uh, thousands of people over that time. And I oversee the uh, Ottawa, Eastern Ontario, Western Quebec regions, if you will. That's a big catchment area. Yeah, that is. That's a big catchment area. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, people hear bankruptcies, they hear consumer proposals, those types of things. What, what are they and what's the difference between the two? Um, well, t- when people are financial difficulty, they, they generally seek us out. They find us on the internet, <laughs> typically. Um, and then what we do is uh, we'll meet with them uh, and uh, we do a full assessment of their situation. Um, you know, there's not just proposals and bankruptcies. When people are in financial difficulty, uh, there may be other options for them, like self-help remedies, like budget better, uh, they can may, may be able to consolidate their debts. Uh, but a lot of times, by the time they get to us, they've already exhausted those things or they kind of looked into it. And, um, and what we do with people is that uh, first we ask what happened. <laughs> people struggle with their debt situation, uh, so difficulties for sometimes three months, six months, a year, and sometimes years. So there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand what's going on. We then get them to list all their debts. And I mean, all of them, lines of credit, mortgages, car loans, income tax, student loans, alimony support, everything they have obligations from. Mom for. and dad. Mom and dad. Uh, mom and dad as well. Uh, that's a touchy one, but yeah, we got to get it in there. It's important, right? People mm-hmm. want to pay that back or sometimes they may not need to. So we need to figure that out. Then we look at what uh, your assets are. You know, a lot of assets are exempt from creditors. So it's important for people to understand that. Uh, 
you know, before they squander those assets. You know, RSPs is a big one. That one's exempt. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people that will <laughs> cash those in and, and make bad decisions with those. And they didn't need to. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 I, 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 talk, I think I've talked a few people off the ledge for that and said, mm -hmm. you know, just because of the ramifications tax-wise and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Tax and insolvency wise. So yeah, hence the importance of talking to someone like me. Um, then we look at uh, their income, you know, uh, as part one of their budget and their expenses, and we see what they can afford in their budget. And then the final step is we look at all options, right? And, and what is there in the budget and what can they afford? And, and as I spoke about, sometimes they just need a little push from, from the budgeting side. Maybe they can consolidate, move stuff around. Uh, but once you're past that, then it's when we look at uh, the, the more, um, I don't know if I should call them drastic actions, but where, you know, you can maybe perhaps pay less than what you owe uh, because you're not in a position to pay the full amount. So what we'll do is we'll look at first, uh, can you do a consumer proposal? And what that is, is we look at your budget, we look at the guidelines, and we look at what you can afford to pay, typically monthly. And, and that's what gets offered to your creditors. So that's why you hear a lot of times, uh, you, know, you know, you can pay 30 cents on the dollar or things like that. There's not a set percentage, but you know, it is possible through a consumer proposal to pay less. Once we do that analysis with people and let's say they decide a consumer proposal is something they wanna proceed with, uh, we make a plan with them. We present it to their creditors. Uh, once the proposal is filed, all the creditors are stayed, so they can't sue you, pursue you. Um, they eventually stop calling you. The interest is frozen. You keep your assets. Then your creditors get to vote on the plan. Hmm. And yeah. if it's accepted, um, then that's the plan going forward with your creditors or the new contract, if you will. Can, um, what, if, what if all of them don't agree? Or do they all have to agree? Yeah, or do they have yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. There's a two-step process. Number one is we send the plan to the creditors. If 25% or more in dollar amount respond back and say, yeah, I'm not sure about this, they'll request what's called a meeting of creditors. So if the meeting of creditors doesn't get triggered, the proposal is deemed approved. Yeah. Um, I would say the majority of proposals get approved at that stage. But there are certain proposals where creditors like, yeah, it's not quite enough. They have questions. They ask for a meeting of creditors. And then we call a meeting of creditors. And at the meeting of creditors, there's an actual vote. So you need 50% or more to approve the proposal. Hmm. Now, people worry when I say, oh, a meeting of creditors. You know, they have to show up somewhere and <laughs> everyone's going to be there questioning me. A lot of times, it's mostly institutional creditors or the government. Uh, it gets done by email or fax beforehand. So meaning, you know, we get back to creditors and they say, what do you want? Or what are your questions? Or what are your concerns? And a lot of times they make a counter right away. So by the time we get to the meeting of creditors, uh, we'll already have an amended proposal ready or a negotiated proposal ready. So hmm. we work on our clients with that. Uh, so very few proposals make it to a meeting where there's negotiations and questions in the meeting. Um, perhaps the, the creditor that we have that is the most involved would be CRA for uh, mm. income tax debts, where you know they want to ask questions and and they dig a, dig in a bit more. But we've had good success with CRA as well. 
So that's generally how the consumer proposal works. Um, you know, I would say that substantially all of them get approved um, either as is or as amended. And it's a great way for people to get out of debt within five years. Most of the proposals will last up to five years. Uh, that's the maximum. You know, and creditors know that. So that's why you generally wind up with 60 month terms. Right. Now, does that, um, when you say 60 months, is that where it shows on your credit score? Or is that a completely different conversation? Uh, that's a different conversation. <laughs> okay, so and perhaps I, I can address of... that a bit later when we talk about credit rebuilding and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So, so then, what's the process with the bankruptcy then? Uh, bankruptcy is is usually you know the last option we look at. Um, about thirty percent of our cases are bankruptcies. You know, we go through the same analysis, but this would be someone that uh, has a low income. Um, based on what their household obligations are. They may have no assets or minimal assets. So, you know, there's not much to lose. Um, so in those cases, we would look at, at a bankruptcy where there's no income, a low income and very few or no assets that are free and clear and not exempt, mm -hmm. for example. And, you know, the costs for a bankruptcy are smaller. Um, and for a first time bankruptcy, you can be out, within nine months. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have what's called surplus income, it would last 21 months. Uh, if you're a second time bankrupt, that's the second time you're doing a bankruptcy. It'll last 24 to 36 months. Based on mean, sorry, Andre, what do you mean by last? Like, how, like last, like as far as it's like a contract, basically, that you can't apply for credit after that for, mm. or what does that mean? What does it mean? Um, when you're in the status of being a bankrupt, uh, a period of time has to go by before you're discharged from your debts ah, or no okay. longer responsible for them. Right. So after nine months, if you've complied with all your duties during those nine months, you get what's called an automatic discharge. So I sign a piece of paper and you're out. <laughs> um, and same thing with the 21, 24, 36 months. Uh, there are cases where if people don't comply with their duties during the bankruptcy or a creditor gets involved or opposes your discharge, uh, then there's a, a court hearing for that or mediation mm -hmm. and, and we deal with the discharge in that way. What typically would put somebody offside? Uh, what would put someone offside is if they don't pay their surplus income during the bankruptcy. So right. there's a formula, you have to pay a portion of your income after your household expenses. So that would be the most common reason. Um, the other one would be not providing proof of income during the bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Because to determine surplus income, we need to monitor that. You need to report that in. When you look uh, at surplus income, what, what's, what is typical for people to have left over after uh, a bankruptcy? Well, the, we get uh, federal guidelines. Uh, so depending on the size of your household, you know, it tells you how much you need to live. So let's say you're a single household, you know, you're by yourself. Um, I'm going off memory here, but it's around uh, 23, 2400 bucks. Okay. And a anything month. you per month. Okay. Yeah. Net take home pay. Yeah. Okay. So anything you earn above that, you have to pay 50% in your bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So if the guideline is 2400, you take in 3000 bucks a month. The surplus, according to the guidelines, is $600. You have to pay 50% of that. 
okay. your bankruptcy. And then you and then you take care of that as your company takes care of dispersing that money to the the creditors. Correct. It goes in the bankruptcy in our trust accounts, and we have to administer those monies in accordance with the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act, and ultimately pay a dividend to creditors. Uh, but in a bankruptcy, uh, you know, the majority of cases, there is no surplus. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no distribution to creditors. And people typically pay uh, a minimum fee. That's generally 1800 to 2200 bucks uh, for the bankruptcy, uh, divided up in monthly payments over the nine months or however many months the bankruptcy lasts. So you've, you've talked about consumer proposals. I think that we're clear on that. I have a lot more knowledge on that than I did. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you spoke about the bankruptcies, which again, that was great. You mentioned there's, are there other, are there other options? Uh, yes. Um, you know, before you get to that stage, you know, as I said, we do a full assessment. We look at the budget. Sometimes people can manage, you know, they're just looking for advice on their budget. Mm. So, you know, we may help them uh, with their budget, make suggestions to them and, you know, say, look, you've got a bit of debt here. We think it's manageable and we'll explain uh, methods by which they can pay those debts. You know, those are called the, uh, the debt snowball or the debt avalanche method, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, for those that don't know, the debt avalanche is, uh, is a tactic where, you know, you, you rank your debts based on the interest rate and the one that's got the highest rate of interest Okay, you make all your minimum payments on all your debts, and then you put all the extra cash in whatever's got the highest rate of interest. Yeah. When that once that's knocked off, then you use all that extra cash and you go to the next one, and it just it uh, you know it starts slow, but it it really accelerates towards the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people don't get very motivated by that, so uh, the alternative is the debt snowball, is where you know you pay off the smallest one, regardless of interest rate. It's just. For some people, they find that more encouraging when they can <laughs> knock off stuff the list quickly. So we go from those are two tactics, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, people can also, they can try to consolidate their debts. You know, this one sounds good in theory, but it's it's often difficult to do uh, when you're in trouble. You know, it's when people need a consolidation the most that they can't get it because yeah. their credit core is already poor mm -hmm. or uh, they require a co-signer. You know, I'm always hesitant to, get people to get co-signers you know i thought you were about i get a friend or family on the hook people <laughs> Sorry. what's that there i thought i i, I thought you're you're lining up to say i'm hesitant to co-sign for people i was like i hope no. that's not part of your job <laughs> no I, I i don't um but but i generally don't recommend recommend co-signing so i mean for some people it can work oftentimes unfortunately we see people after a debt consolidation uh, what happens with consolidation sometimes is the institutions, whether it's a bank or a lender of last resort, they just deal with part of the problem yeah. and not the whole problem. They let them keep all the cards and then they just, yeah. it's not a holistic solution, but, but it is an option. Yeah. And the, the other part is, is that yes, they've paid off the problem potentially, but they don't, they've never, um, they've never addressed the issues, the underlying uh, issues right? They've never Correct. addressed those issues of why they got into debt in the first place. So, you know, there's just, there's, there's always more to it than meets the eye, right? A lot of people say, yeah, hey, I get a consolidation loan. And six months later, they have just as much debt as they did six months ago. 
Yeah, they, you know, that's right. Uh, people get uh, temporary relief. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm all good. They move on to other things mm-hmm. without really looking at what happened and what was the root cause of this and how do I address it? So is that yeah. some of the thing you some of the things you do when when you're going through this process, sort of addressing those budgeting? Because a lot of it comes down to budgeting, really. Uh, it does, and that's why you know uh, under the consumer proposal process and the bankruptcy process, um, there are two mandatory counseling sessions, okay. and uh, and those are quite involved. So as I said, you know we have to make sure that uh, we understand what the root cause of the financial difficulties were and how people got there. Yep. Um, once they understand that, they can address it. Right. You know, we talk about setting and achieving financial goals, budgeting, tracking your spending, accessing your credit report, and you know, rebuilding your credit. All those tools that people need to to address these issues. Right. So, talk to us about rebuilding credit, because you know me, I love the talk about credit. <laughs> I love, I love talking about this, because um, credit is a huge, a huge thing, and I don't think a lot of people realize it. They don't understand it. Um, you know, even those of us who are in this world, you know, we look and somebody says, "Well, why was, why is my credit score going down? It should be going up." And you know, so there's things like that. So, talk to us about what you would say to somebody to help them start improving their credit and avoid falling back into those pitfalls again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, number one is to deal with the financial issues, right? So if you're in trouble, you're falling behind on payments, you know, the bankruptcy of the consumer proposal is that first step to clean things up. Uh, yeah. Your credit rating is going to take a hit mm-hmm. uh, maybe a lot or maybe a little bit. If you were already had bad debts, number one, then number two, once you get the issues behind you, and you deal with your debt, um, it's to start using credit again. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes I get people, it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to use credit again. Yeah. The funny thing about a, your credit bureau or your credit score is you have to use credit to get a score. Exactly. So the key is to use it strategically and responsibly and yeah. not repeat uh, the mistakes of the past. So number one is, you know, pay your bills on time. Like mm-hmm. your mobile phone, they report to your credit bureau. Ugh. Make sure that's paid in full on time you know, every month, Um, pay it twice a month if you need to. So that's going to be one trade line on your bureau. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, despite all this bad stuff from your bankruptcy and proposal, it'll go away eventually with time. So you got to start building those good uh, trade lines. Number two, um, get a secured credit card and then get a second one. You know, Mm -hmm. then you'll get your second, third trade line on your credit bureau. Now, the way you manage those two cards is eventually you want to work your way up to having a limit of 2,500 bucks, you know, 500 bucks is not going to cut it. It's not going to impress creditors. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it has to be substantial. Never use more than 30% of your limit, whatever it is, uh, because 30% of your credit score is your utilization. It means how much of your total credit do you use? You got to keep that under 30%. This for everything or one, one, everything, everything. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. So now what happens if one person puts like, you know, they have a $5,000 credit card and they've got 4,000 of it utilized on that one card, Mm -hmm. but then they've got three other cards or line of credit that has nothing on it. Is it the same? Yeah. You look at the total. So on that one card, you're 80%, but the other ones will bring down your overall average, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why, um, Let's say you have a huge line of credit on your house, like uh, you know, home equity line of credit, and it's maxed. 
that's 100% utilization. Mm -hmm. uh, that can do a real number on your credit score. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is to pay off your debt in full every month. Don't carry a balance, you know, because 35% of your score is your payment history. So, you know, if you miss payments or you're late, that's toxic for your score. And then, you know, and you need to repeat that for, you know, I would recommend two years because 15% of your score approximately is, you know, the length of a good, you know, the length of time that you've had a good payment history. So that's 80% of your score right there. You know, uh, the other 20% is, you know, having a diversity of products, it's about 10%, not a big deal. Um, and um, the other 10% is inquiries on your bureau and stuff like that. So. Yeah, when you initially apply for the card, the card you'll get a small hit because you made an inquiry, mm -hmm. but that goes away over time, and that's how you rebuild your credit. You know, you get those good trade lines going, and eventually the bad stuff will fall off. Mm -hmm. uh, with a bankruptcy, your stuff's going to be rated R nine. R nine stands for revolving credit. So if you have a credit card, it's paid on time. You get an R one. You're thirty days late. It's R two. 60 days, R3, you go up the gamut. R7 is when you settle the debt. So you would get an R7 for a, a consumer proposal or a debt in a consumer proposal. And you get an R9 for a debt in the bankruptcy. It means written off, included in bankruptcy or something like that, or sent to a collection agency. And those bad trade lines, they come off uh, six years after your discharge from your bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. um, but no more than seven years from the time of filing. The only exception to that is if it's a second time bankruptcy, it can stay up to 14 years. I've talked to some people who have, have gone through that. Yeah. Now, 14 years, does, would that, if it's a second bankruptcy, does it, so that includes all the stuff that happened on the first one. So say you're like it shows that you're three years in and then you have to declare bankruptcy a second time. Does mm -hmm. that mean it goes, it pushes the whole thing out 14 years? Uh, no, it would just be the debts in that bankruptcy. Oh, mm -hmm. the second one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but the second one lasts for up to 14 years. Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, it's rare for people to go bankrupt twice in three years, but I, I guess it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, or five years or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah. I guess what you're saying is the second bankruptcy that you declare stays in your on. lifetime yeah. stays on. Stays on. Wow. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Huge. No, it doesn't mean you can't get credit. Um, right. There, there are organizations that specialize in that and you know I, I see third time bankruptcies sometimes and I've seen a few forts so uh, they manage to get credit that you know your life's not over if you can't get credit it's just it's a little bit more work right one of the things one of the principles we use in in my in my world is two 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 years of reestablished credit two credit facilities mm -hmm. of minimum of two thousand dollars no per, per okay credit facility. that's a neat way to remember so it. I always tell people two 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 right? Mm -hmm. No matter what. And, and yeah, 2,500 is better. Right. And, and, and yeah. I'll even tell people like, you know, you, you have a thousand dollar credit card or, a, you know, thousand dollars doesn't go very far. Mm -hmm. If you're putting your, you know, your gas on it, you're putting your, you know, your cell phones on it. That's another thing I tell people, mm -hmm. put your cell phone bill on your credit card, hmm. right? Because you'll never forget to, you know, you'll never uh, forget it, right? Yeah. So I have, okay. you know, my my cell phone bills go directly to my credit card, so that because I don't, I don't know if I had to start adding cell phone bills into my memory of when they needed to be paid, I don't know that I'd pay them. I never forget to pay my credit card off. I automate yeah. everything. Everything's yeah. automated. Everything I automate yeah. everything through my bank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, yeah, I like you it. feel it. 
You've hit on two key points there. I mean, you have people that, you know, the people that say, I'll never use credit again, or they don't trust themselves. I said, you know, get the two cards, put Netflix on one, put your mobile phone on the other, stash them away and automate the payment every month. Exactly. That's all you need to do. Yeah. You know, and the other thing you're right about, Tina, is, you know, is it 2000 or 2500? I mean, those are our best guesses on what we saw work. I mean, yeah. TransUnion and Equifax don't tell us what their formulas are. It's exactly. just by trial and error, you kind of figure that out, right? Because they're proprietary. Did you know that? They're private. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah but yeah. their formulas of calculating credit, uh, of ca- calculating credit scores are proprietary. I think it's a genie bottle. They just they just put it in a genie bottle and yeah. they just, you know, yeah, <laughs> come up with a number. Yeah. And I think that mystifying and, and misinformation or not understanding doesn't serve them well because people in the like consumers in the marketplace don't like black holes. But but you know? no, Andre's done a really good job of explaining oh, yeah. the 30%, the 35%, the 10%, mm-hmm. because that is, you know, for people like, you know, myself that try to explain it to people. And then, you know, they go, well, I don't understand why my credit score just mm-hmm. went down. Well, it's a little bit of a, uh, but you know, there are some guidelines, yeah. right? Um, I always try to tell people, you know, keep your credit, you know, if all of things being equal, if, if you and I have the exact same credit we've had it for the exact same length of time but i have a ten thousand dollar credit card with four thousand on it and you have a five thousand dollar credit card with four thousand on it my score is going to be higher than yours yeah correct i look like i'm using less credit than you are so that's utilizing and that's a good strategy too because i I tell people if you feel that you're not going to be able to uh pay your debt off like whatever's on the card in a timely fashion i always say you should actually increase it because if that's the only card you have, you have more ability to get credit, but you're not utilizing as, as much, much over time. Right. So I don't know if that's a good, <laughs> maybe it's not good advice. You know, Andre can tell me. <laughs> pay off their credit cards. I always try to tell yes, people absolutely. if you, you need a budget and like you have all your, you know, however you need to do that. Fixed payments come out of this bank account. Uh, your, you know, your paycheck goes into there, all your fixed payment, the money for your fixed payments go into this account. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the month, if you have money left in that account, that's yours to spend. Mm -hmm. But if you have debt that you can't pay because you put too much on your credit card, then you are overspending. Mm -hmm. I agree. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, we all see it in our industries of how much debt people have because they don't, they don't plan that. No, they don't. They don't. And I think, I think, Sometimes people feel, in my opinion, uh, they feel that budgets are a constraint. Like yeah. we're going to control your life, right? And I always, I always try to flip that mindset and say, this is a liberating exercise. Mm-hmm. If you spend some time and understand the comings and what's coming in and going out of your cash flow and your budget, yeah. right? You can then balance your life Mm -hmm. you you have less stress actually in my opinion than putting your head in the sand yeah you now are in control of the cash flow yeah and i think um like a spending plan yeah yeah Yeah. you're absolutely right on that darren um you know when we do the counseling sessions it's a you know you you don't budget for fun it's you budget to to get control again and to achieve your financial goals and people love to achieve their goals they do it's just where the budget becomes a turnoff is uh, when they're not achieving their goals and they have, haven't had success. Mm-hmm. But once they have that, you know, success one or two times, they're actually looking forward to doing their budget and getting into those habits because, you know, they can buy what they want. They can take that trip, you know, they can do it with their savings <laughs> and they can come back and not have that 
attached to that and they love that. And once you're able to flip that script or, or change that thinking, then budgeting is not uh, is not a drag <laughs> and you actually look forward to it and it's a tool, a tool that works for you. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing for credit. I mean, you, you don't work to get a great credit score to feel good about it. You know, you got to get credit and their score to work for you. <laughs> I don't know. My wife and I are pretty competitive. <laughs> we get our scores and I'm like, ah, up five points. And we go back and forth. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think I told this story before I had a client. Um, like, so a unicorn in my world is 900. Um, and so I, uh, I had a client, she had a 900 score and her husband had 899 wow. and he was pissed because his was one less. And I, he goes, why? And I said, cause you have the, you have the, the only difference. The only difference was that the cell phones were in his name. Perfect. Like perfectly like no delinquencies, but the cell phones were in his name. Wow. And that was the only difference was one other piece of credit other wow. than that. And I had a, a unicorn. I'm moving everything to her name. <laughs> I, you know, I had a unicorn lately and I, I, I sent the, the message to my client and I said, you're my unicorn. And he's like, I don't understand. I said, you got a 900 score. And he's like, I knew it was good, but I said, unicorn is perfect. He goes, wow. oh, wow. I don't so, think I've ever encountered somebody that has oh, it's, a 900. It's, it's such a, it's such an exciting feeling. <laughs> okay. okay. So I, I want to ask one Sorry. last question before we wrap up here. Andre, how, what do you say to people who are worried about, you know, like they've got a list debt, they're trying to manage it. They're so confused about where to go. Mm-hmm. And now they're worried about how do they pay you guys? Right. So how does your service work so people understand the costs? Um, well, for a consumer proposal, you know, we work out what they can afford. Um, our, our, you know, our costs are included in the monthly payment. There's nothing extra. They don't need to do a deposit. There, there's no additional fees or nothing hidden. Right. And that's so if, if we do a proposal and it's 300 bucks a month, we get paid out of that. Effectively, okay. you know, the, it comes out of the creditor's monies. Right. Um, and same thing for a bankruptcy, there's a tariff, um, whatever it is you have to pay in towards the creditors or whether it's the minimum fee, our fees come out of that. Right. And for a bankruptcy, a lot of times it'll, it'll be like 200 bucks a month is, is around the minimum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once people get relief on all the minimum payments, they, they can generally afford that. In some cases it'll be lower than that if there's a bit of assets and, and we always have flexibility. I mean, we try to help out people. Right. Um, but that, I think that was the big thing is they just want to know, like, yeah. how am I supposed to write a check and pay for a service and advice that yeah. I can't afford right now? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and you know what the best thing is? I mean, you can see an licensed insolvency trustee and it costs you nothing. I mean, we'll right. talk to you for an hour, two hours, even three hours, maybe over a couple of sessions. I mean, you can get that advice. It costs you nothing. So just you work with pick up the owners. phone or find us online. Do you, do you work with business owners as well? Like, I mean, obviously business owners declare bankruptcy as well, but does BDO do that as well? Yeah, absolutely. We, okay. you know, a lot of the volume is in consumer uh, and behind a lot of businesses are our people, but we do business stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell, uh, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, Andre. Uh, so the best way to get in touch with us is uh, 1-855-BDO-DEBT or uh, just... Uh, BDO debt at BDO.ca. Okay. So the best two ways. Um, and you can look me up, Andre Balzuc, BDO. You can Google me and get in touch with me that way. You're the number one hit, by the way. When I re- when I type in Andre Bolduc, you're you're top of the page on Google. Search. Well, well, and, and apparently locally we can hear you on the radio. 
Yes. Yeah. That yeah, too. On the radio. I, I, do, I must say I am competing with uh, one of the coaches with the Montreal Alouettes. His name is André Bolzik as well. So not to be confused. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And they can also find more information about you and all the awesome professionals we have with MikeCleanBreak.ca. Yeah. Uh, there's some blogs for people to read there. There's other podcasts for great information from other advisors, uh, other other professionals. professionals. Yeah. And uh, Andre, your your profile is on there. So that's that's great. Thank you for joining us today on the show. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. And we thank you for listening and tune into other episodes that will be coming up in the future. Uh, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Divorcenet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.